text is in verse number 3. David says, Because I set my affection to the house of my God, I have given and everything that he's done. Well, let's uh, pick it up with verse number 1. It's been a while since we've been here in this text. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse number 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold, for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, and here, <coughs> this is our text, moreover, <coughs> because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. And he goes on and talks about his sacrifice and his uh, giving and his uh, attention and focus upon the house of God. Because I set my affection to the house of my God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that <clears throat> you would help us this morning. Lord, I need you. I certainly do. Lord, Lord, to sing about the, uh, the blessings and to sing about your grace and pardon and to sing about all of the things that we um, have uh, sung about this morning. Just wonderful. Lord, thank you so much. I, I thank you that I'm a partaker of your grace, that, uh, that I some, oh man, how many years ago was it, Lord? So many years ago that now that I found you, Lord, I, I have basked in that. I've enjoyed it. I've, I've grown in that. I've, I've been nurtured in your grace and your love. Lord, thank you. If there be someone here today that doesn't know firsthand that love, Lord, I pray that you would make a difference to them, make a difference in their, in their heart, in their souls today. Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd speak to them. Lord, I pray that you speak to believers. Help us to understand the motivation for all that we do, all that we sacrifice, all that we commit. Lord, it's because of our affection, because of our love for you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to to grasp these things. Lord, help me to get across the thoughts that you'd want out of this passage of Scripture. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Remember our overview of the entire chapter. This year, we're continually going to be referring back to these main divisions of this chapter as we explore how to be all in for him. That's our theme for the year. And, uh, we're, and it's taken right out of this chapter, how that David was all in for the Lord and for his work. And in this chapter, from verse number 1 down to verse number five, 5, you see David's consecration, his dedication, his personal, personal consecration, his example of what he did, how that he jumped in and, and served the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his being. And then verse 6 through 9, you see the cooperation. There was a teamwork, a camaraderie with all the people of God. They all jumped in on, the, on that, uh, that task, unified to, to uh, 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 honor the Lord, to worship him. Verses 9 through 21, we find the application. Here's the administration of the service and the gifts. This is their labor, how they actually served God there in building the temple. And, and uh, we're going to go through phases throughout the year as we uh, visit each one of these. And then verse number 6, verse 9, verse 22, 
we look at the adoration, the exaltation of the Lord, animated by genuine, genuine enthusiasm and joy that, that was in serving and worshiping God. And then the last part of the, ver, the chapter in verse 22 down through verse number 30 is the confirmation. He certified that work given to Solomon. He was handing it over to the next generation. And uh, so that's the entire chapter. So uh, we looked at David's consecration the last time that we were here, and that's been several weeks now. This morning, <clears throat> I'd like to invest some time into the reason for David's involvement, the purpose or, or the, the, the foundation for his consecration, the reason for his sacrifice and, and their labor and their worship. It was because he loved the Lord as he says very clearly in verse number three, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. And he goes on in the next few verses talking about what he's given, what he's consecrated, what he's dedicated to the Lord. He says, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, this is the motivation for our entire relationship with God. The first commandment of many in Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 3. You're familiar with the Ten Commandments. God starts it off by saying in verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This in the realm of worship, not falling down to extol other gods, to honor other gods, false gods. He is to be the one and the only one who holds that highest place of regard in our hearts. Our greatest aspiration, our goal, our relationship, our purpose is reserved for God. It's this relationship that spells out the pinnacle of our passion, our desire, our love to be only for God. And God makes it clear you're to worship only, you bow down before me. No other gods have no other gods. God reiterates the greatest of all the commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 1. It says, now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments with which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye might do them in the land where you go to possess it. They're going into the land, and he says, now pay attention. These are my instructions. In verse 4, he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And now this Lord is giving the first, the, the pinnacle, the, the utmost, uh, the prior commandment, the prior uh, uh, activity or, or attention or focus that we need to have. He says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Nobody, or maybe I should say nothing else, should compare or even come close to or rival our regard for him. When he says, thou shalt love the, God, the Lord thy God with everything, all thy heart, all thy mind, thy might, thy soul. When Jesus was asked about all the commandments of God, he boiled it down to the one which embodied every other commandment. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Here's the question. They were trying to trip him up, actually. Here's this lawyer that says, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first 
and greatest commandments is to love God. To love God. First, in purpose and reason. First, in design and the greatest and in, in, in the most important uh, 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 aspect of your relationship with him. This is the pinnacle. This is the motivating factor. Coloring anything and everything else that we have to do with the Lord. Everything else hangs on loving the Lord thy God with everything that you have. Along with our relationship to the rest of his creation, he sums it up in verse 40, in Matthew twenty-two forty. He goes on to say, on these two commandments, that's loving God and loving men, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So you want to know what the Bible is about? Love God. That's the top. That's the foremost. That is everything. The Bible is all about God's love to us and how we can love him. It's, it's about the love of God, God's love, me loving God. Loving God must be first, must be most important. The reason and motive for everything else, no matter what we do, folks, is to love God. That's what our purpose is. That's what, what we've been created for. That's what it's all about. And that's what this book is about. That's what Jesus said. What's the, the, what's the top? What's the, the most important? And he says, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. First and the greatest commandment. Love is essential. Love is necessary. Love is seen when it's there. And when it's not there, We seem to understand that too, don't we? You've dealt with people that don't truly love you. And no matter what a person says, if love is not there, wow, that's a, that's a bummer. I mean, uh, love makes the world go round. Um, that song... You don't bring me flowers. You don't sing me love songs. You know, we laugh about that. and I do. I kind of parody it, you know, parody it, you know, I should say. And, uh, but they're truly pathetic lyrics. Really, it is. It's, it's, an, it's an awful, it's an awful song. It's an awful thought that so many people face. The love is gone. It's not there. Or something, the, the spark, the passion is, everything else is there, but there's something gone. And if it's love, boy, that's a mess. There's something ab about a world without love that just isn't acceptable. In the Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 8, verse number 7, this is what the Bible says about love. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all the substance of his house for love, it would utterly be condemned. Now here it says that love is above anything, above everything, all possessions that somebody might gain. If you don't have love, you have nothing. You have nothing. Love is more important than anything in the world. Would you rather have the world or would you rather have love? Many a life has been shipwrecked 
for the wrong choice here. And by the way, uh, young ladies, if you're here, and, or even young men, don't fall for that hollow appeal. We'll just live on love. Now, true love gives and sacrifices and honors and cherishes and does what's necessary to make sure that the one who is loved is taken care of. Not just love, okay? I mean, there's, there's evidences, fruit of that. But I'm saying that having everything else without love is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. That's exactly what Jesus communicated to his church in Revelation chapter 2, verse number 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, Jesus says, to his church, to a real church, to real people that were meeting together, honoring him, they were going on visitation. They were printing up gospel tracts, if you will. They were uh, reaching out to their community. This church in Asia, the Bible says that Jesus wrote a letter to this church. And here it is. Unto this church, write these things. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, walking among his churches, by the way. And this is what he says. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my, my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. What a great church. I mean, he's talking about the, the he, he's going on and on, accolades of this church. It was a great church. They were, they were doing really well. They were sharp doctrinally. They understood the Bible. They, they stood up for the proper things, for truth. They, were, they, they held firm. They, they reached out. They labored. They didn't get tired. They had patience. They, they worked and they worked and they labored and they, they did things for him. But there was something missing and he stops. And in the middle of that, verse 4, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. He says it's a sin, it's a wicked sin that you need to repent of, and that's losing your love, your passion. Folks, you can do all the right things. The church can be right there and not love the Lord. I mean, love the Lord and... And it's hollow. It's not right. All the other things, although great, all the other things right, all the other things that are necessary to serve God and worship him without love is nothing. He says, you must love me with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your mind. Where's the love? You're just going through the motions. And listen, when there's a couple that get into that situation where they just go through the motions and they dwell together and they even work for, they labor for one another, but don't have love. They have nothing. You know that. You know that's the way it is. That's unacceptable. By the way, and if there are families here like that, I'm not pulling back. I'm not changing the message. That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable. Something's not right in that home. Something's not right in that relationship. You need to repent. You need to get it right. And you can, by the way. Jesus says there's a formula to get it right. Like this church, like any couple. He says, remember, 
the first works. Remember how, see, because, listen, there's nobody that has committed to one another. There's nobody that's, that have, have uh, left uh, family to join to one that they loved and embarked on something, and, and sooner or later this happens and that happens, and you drift apart, whatever, and you find that, well, there's no love there. You don't sing me love songs. You don't bring me flowers. You don't, there, something's gone. The passion's out. What do you do? Break up? All right, go home? No, no. He says, remember from whence thou had where, where you fell. Remember what it was like. There's nobody that comes into a relationship that doesn't have something that is drawing you together. That love, that spark, that, that desire for one another. It was there once. Maybe you can't even remember it anymore, but it was there. It was there, and what Jesus says, how to fix this marriage is remember. Remember how it was. Remember how it was when you couldn't think about anything else but that person that you loved. You wanted to be with him. You wanted to be with her. I mean, uh, you know, two people that are in love are really foolish looking. <laughs> but they don't care. No, really, they don't care. I remember in Bible college, there was a, a, a couple that got together and there was a, 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 a six-inch rule. Uh, you know, you couldn't touch one another in the six-inch rule, so they're, they're on the bus and we're going to this activity and they're sitting, looking at, looking at one another. <laughs> and and they're, they're, they're googly-eyeing one another and they were going like this. I don't even know if I could do it. They're going... <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? They didn't care. No, no, they were in love. Hey, folks, when somebody's in love, you don't care how you look. You don't care who knows. I mean, that's the way it is. Remember, and Jesus says, okay, you, you, you found yourself in this situation where you're just going through things. What do you do? Remember. Remember how it was. See, however it was, you can get it back. Love is not something you fall into. Kind of like a, a pothole. You know, some, some dog did something and you fall, you step into it, and, and that's what happened. I fell in love. Oh, wow. You know, no. That's not, that's not what happens, folks. You, you allow yourself to love what you want to love. You choose what to love and what not to love. And see, it's up to you. So many times we, we well, you know, my heart just is, uh, you know, uh, taken away. No, 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 no. That's a choice that you make. Anyway, he, he says, remember from whence thou art fallen and do the first works. Do what you used to do. You know the time that, you know, it seems like, and I, I deal with this all the time. Husbands and wives, they, they, they get to the place to where they get into trouble. Their relationship gets into trouble after years, sometimes years and years of, you know, faulty um, procedure. But the formula is do what you used to do. Put that one that you loved on that pedestal a bit. Forgive them. Nobody's perfect. I see a young couple that were getting ready to, to get married, and there's, there's a, a few now that, that we're going through uh, marriage counseling again. Man, we got marriages coming up and babies and all kinds of stuff, and man, this is a good, healthy church, a lot of growth. But these young couples, they get together, and... He's got three eyes, and she doesn't see that. 
You know, they get together. Oh, he's perfect. He's so handsome. And I'm going, are you serious? Are we in the same universe? But no, that, that's what she sees. And she could be a train wreck. And, oh, man, he doesn't see anything. You know, before a person gets married, they seem to just only look at the, the, the positive. That's all they see. And then after they get married, they're married together two, three, five years, ten years. The only thing they could see is the negative. They can't see anything that they used to see, that they used to focus in on. Remember the first works. Remember how it was before. That's what Jesus said. That was to this church. It applies in a couple. It applies in your relationship with the Lord. How'd you come to church this morning? Did those songs mean anything to you that we sang? Is, is it just a service? You know, we're, we're going through a service, and so, you know, we do this. This is what we do. Or, or do you come because you, you've been redeemed? God has, God has rescued you out of, out of shipwreck. And you're grateful for one who loved you, who loved you when you were not worthy, when you were nothing, when you were just sinful, when you were actually opposed to him. That's when he loved you and went after you. Is that why you're in church? Or is it just because, oh, you know what? It used to be that way. Yeah, preacher, I, I used to have a walk with the Lord where, where man, I was just, it was on fire. Well, where are you now? How is it today? Well, I'm, I'm having my devotion, and I'm in church, and I'm, I'm uh, giving to the Lord and finances, and I'm doing this, and I'm, oh, yeah, right, like this church did, right? You know, they had patience and works and labor, and they did all these things, and Jesus said, not acceptable. That's not acceptable. Where's the love? Where's the passion? Where's your relationship with him? The way it should be. Come on. And so that's where he dealt with this church. It's wrong to have a relationship without love. Jesus will not have it. So we're dealing with the church, but how about individually? Where am I? Where do I stand here? I mean, do, do, do I... Really think back to what it is that I'm having my devotion for? Do, do I really think about the reason for my dedication that I'm going to try to stay pure for him because I want to present myself chaste and pure to him? Is, is that the motivation for what I'm doing? Do, do I really want to share Christ with others because of what he did for me and I'm so grateful and, and I want to share that love with others? You know, sometimes we can actually serve the Lord, get into a situation where we, we forget. <laughs> it's easy to do that, folks. We, we're human. We drift. It, it's, it's, it's typical of the breed, huh? We drift. How is my love for him? Let me tell you something, friend. God loves you. What a, what a truth. God loves you. And you know, I don't, it's okay if I don't deal with you right now. God loves me. He loves me. When nobody else cared to know who I was, nobody else cared to, to follow me where I went, nobody else cared enough to, to, to know me and then actually love me after they know who I am, Goodness, God loves you. Wouldn't you know that Satan uh, uh, 
his recorded attack in the innocent, uh, upon the innocent couple in the third chapter of Genesis was an assault upon that truth. God doesn't really love you. He's keeping you down. He, he doesn't want the best for you. <coughs> He's a killjoy. He doesn't want your best. He does <coughs> not love you. <coughs> That's what he said in so many words. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 5. For God doth know that in the day <coughs> that you eat thereof, the forbidden tree, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He's trying to keep that from you. He's trying to keep his, his foot upon your neck. He doesn't really love you. Because if he loved you, he, then he'd uplift you. He'd do this, he'd do that. and w- Look what you're missing. That's what Satan was saying. You don't have a clue as to what you're missing. Yeah, they were missing a lot, weren't they? Pain and sorrow and emptiness and exile and failure and grief and death. Yeah, they, they, you know what? In, in that sense, he was telling them the truth, that they were missing a lot. What a way to put it, though. Satan tried his best, and he's a, he's a master at it, to make you think that you're not loved. But friend, God loves you. And it's upon that point that paradise was lost. The loss of the assurance of his love brought the whole house of cards down. And Satan is busy about trying to cause you to lose confidence in his love today. To miss his heart for you. His overture to you to redeem you because of his love. Does God love me? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. What a simple Little child song, but sure enough, that is what the Bible tells us and assures us of. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care, for he careth for you. He cares for you. When nobody else even knows you, he cares for you. But it's life-changing. Yes, he cares for me. He loves me. I know he loves me because of these three simple things. Number one, because he gave me life. He gave you life. John six thirty three. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. God gives life to everybody. He's given you life. He's given you consciousness. You are here and you can think and you are who you are. You're in existence because God spoke you into existence through Adam and Eve. He, he gathered of the the dust of the ground, he breathed into Adam his nostrils and, and created a living soul. And we have that life that he's given to Adam and is passed down. And God has created us. We are his creation. He gives life. He's the one who designed all things. He provides for us to have life in all things, all areas. He cares for and he's given life to all. The more one examines this world as a scientist as, as someone who would kind of investigate his creation, the more one is blown away with the awesome care and the love that we're given by our creator. Man, it's a wonderful thing to learn about God's love in his creation and all of the things that we're, we're, we're just scratching the surface on of how that we operate, how we see, how we hear, how we think. Goodness, 
I have a problem with, create, with uh, computers. I do. I'm a computer illiterate. I hate computers. But I love them. I, it's a weird relationship. <laughs> kind of like women, you can't live with them and you can't live without them. So, no, that's, uh, that's that, no, 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 no. That's contrary to the message today. Strike that one from the bailiff. Okay, anyway. But I'll, I'll deal with computers and try to get something done and, and you know, and it's not working. And then they ask for a password. I hate passwords. Because I can't remember the passwords that I have given. I've written them down someplace, you know. You're laughing, but it's a, it's a painful, I can tell, it's a painful laugh. And then they ask for this password that I had to change yesterday because they asked for a password. And so on the, on the, on the fly, they give me a, a new password. And Well, here, this is your new one. You can change it later. And so they ask for that one that I don't know that I changed yesterday because I don't know. So I'll get one, another one today because the, of a new, so then I don't have that password and ask for another password, you know, and then I come there, back the next day and I give the right password yesterday and it's not the right password and I can't get in and blah, blah, blah. Ah, I get into flesh, but that's okay. I, I preach well when I'm in the flesh. No. <laughs> but computers are so, they're, and, and they're, they're getting more, I don't have my, my phone with me, but my little phone that I have in, the, in my pocket is more computer than what put the first moon landing on, on the moon. That was rooms and rooms and rooms of computers. And now we got it in one little, and I, I take it with me. It's amazing. Doesn't, listen, folks, doesn't even hold a candle to this computer. Are you impressed, this one in here? <laughs> or yours? Well, some of yours. <laughs> now, to think of how we, how we think, how we remember, and the, the nerves and the synapses and the this and the electrical and the that. I mean, we don't have a clue, folks. We don't have a clue. And that's, that's God's provision. He's, he's freely given that. I mean, to, to see, and God takes care of all things. He takes care of our bodies. He takes care of our bodies and heals itself. I mean, the best healing that we got is not from a doctor, but from our own immune system. It's amazing. It is amazing. When you look more and more into just what we have in physical life, you've got to be blown away by the, the, the awesome imprint of a creator that cares for us and has given us life. Put us on a planet that, that takes care of us and it's, it's just a, a continual, it's just amazing. It is amazing. The, the, the astronomers are talking about, we live in this Goldie, Goldilocks ring. You know, Goldilocks is, Goldilocks is where she comes in the house and she eats porridge and this is too hot, you know, and he eats this porridge, this is too cold. And Goldilocks says, oh, this porridge is just right. She eats, eats it all up and sits in the chair and then goes to bed on a, a bed that's too hard and too, but this one's just right. You know what? The Goldilocks uh, circle or, or realm that we're in, that our planet is in, gives li allows life. It's, it was almost like it was designed. 
And you know what? That's the truth. Because our folks, our creator is the one that gives life to all. But not just physical life. I mean, we're talking about physical life, and that's an, that's an amazing thing. That is an amazing thing to, to see his, his blessing in that, but much, much better than just physical life. This physical life is kind of like a shadow, only a, an illustration of what things could be, and a greater, a lasting, and everlasting life. John chapter 10, 10, Jesus says, I am come that they might have life, and then that they might have it more abundantly, more than what you know about. God has life and it doesn't even, uh, this life doesn't even hold a candle to what God has in store for us. The Bible says we can't even imagine the things that God has in store for those that love him. Now listen, I have a fantastic imagination. I really do. Ask my wife. <laughs> I have an imagination that's off the, off the charts. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what heaven's going to be like. I can't imagine. See, folks. <clears throat> talking about a God that has granted life to us. I know he loves me because he cares for me and all the things that he's given to me in life. He giveth life unto the world. But you know, an, another reason why I know that he loves me because he's lifted me up to the position where he allows me to choose. He doesn't force me. He doesn't force anybody. Now, there are consequences that you have to understand that are there. But he doesn't force anybody. You can be an idiot and, and do some dumb things and pay for it, you know, and hopefully you learn. Hopefully I learn, you know. But God doesn't make you do those things. He doesn't force your hand. He allows you to choose. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. God says, see, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In this passage of scripture, he, he lays this whole thing out and talks about all the good things if you serve me and if you follow me, the things that I have in store for you, or if you want to go your way, it's bad. I'm telling you, it's bad. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so he says, hey, I want you to go ahead, and, and I, I'm setting before you life and good, death and evil. And he says in verse 19, he, he brings it all down to a close. He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now, who wouldn't choose life? Come on now. Who wouldn't choose life over death? We have a, a culture of death today. We even have a political party that majors on death. I don't understand that. I really don't. But when God lays before you life and death, I mean, who's going to choose death? And, and it's almost like we need some, uh, some help. Uh, let's see, life and death, life and death, life and death. What do you think, God, which one should I choose? And so he, he chimes in. He gives us a tip. He says, I, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. He says, choose life. But he's not making you. Folks, if you don't know Jesus, he's not forcing himself upon you today. He's not going to do that. That's your choice. Nobody else's. Your choice. He merely places the choice before each and every one of us. He doesn't force himself. He doesn't force his care upon anybody. He doesn't force his leadership. He will not force his kingdom upon you, but he allows you to choose, and that's why I love him. I love him because he, 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 has, he has honored me to the place to where he's given me a choice and given you a choice. 
I know he loves me because he gives me life, he gives me choice, and this is biblically because he provides redemption. There's a verse in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. It says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You doubt his love? Look at Calvary. This is where he commended. He manifested. He showed his love. He made it, he made it uh, 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 where everybody can understand, everybody could see. God commendeth his love toward us in Christ dying for us. Um, to understand the cost of that love, look at the cross. To take in what you mean to him. See Jesus on the cross for you, for me. He died not for his own sins, but for your sins and for my sins. If you want to understand God's love, look at what took place on the cross. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth, it's a, it's a Greek word. I don't know if I'm saying it properly. Uh, sunestao. It means strengthen. It's from two words, soon or suna, which is stand with, and uh, histami, which is to hold up. Uh, we understand this word to literally mean to stand with and hold up for exhibit. Where God stands with and holds up the cross. God commends his love. God, God shows, God, God manifests, God proves his love to us. You ask, does God love me? God stands with the cross and he shows you. And he says, here, this is his exposure to his love for you. See, God wanted to display his love, so he showcased Calvary. This clinches it. There is, folks, there is no greater love, no greater sacrifice, no greater heart for his creation, no greater offense to be swallowed than these sinners who are spitting in his face and buffeting him but that's who he was dying for. And the Bible says he died for our offenses. That means I put him there. You put him there. The just for the unjust. The one that gives life so that we can be free, so that we can have life. The spotless, holy son of God dying, condemned as a criminal in man's stead to take away man's sin. To redeem Adam's race. That's a display of the love of God. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That shows his love. That shows the depth of his love. That shows the amazement of his love for us. And it's because of that love. <clears throat> Getting back to our, our text. First Chronicles 29.3. That's why David was serving God. That's why he was sacred. That's why he was all in for God. He says, moreover, because I have set my affection. That's why. Because I've set my affection to the house of my God, I have given and sacrificed and built his house and committed. And, and I loved him back. That's what he's saying. David was saying the reason why I serve him, the reason why I do anything for him is because I have set my affection. The love that God has for me is because of that love. That's the reason that we can love him, that should love him. 
See, because that love leads us to, you know, when you see people that follow him and those that, that serve him, goodness. I love the Lord. I just want to say, folks, I love the Lord. There are people all over the world who love him because they've understood, they, they, they learned the, the truth of God's love and how much that God loves them and how much Jesus gave for them. And that kind of love leads us to repentance. That woman that was caught in adultery that should have been stoned. And Jesus stepped in for her. And you know that whole story. And they all left. And he looks at her and said, woman, where are thine accusers? And he didn't condemn her. He said, go and sin no more. You know what? That made a difference in that woman's life. She repented of her sins. You know what? She's found later in the Gospels, serving him in a holy life for him. You see, Zacchaeus, when God came and, and he did all that he could to try to get to just see the Savior, and the, the Lord came by, saw him in the tree, says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And that's the time that he changed. And you see that Zacchaeus' service changed for the Lord at that point because of his love. Mary who broke her alabaster box. That was probably her life's savings of value and poured it upon Jesus, her sacrifice to him. You know why she did that? Because she loved him. Because he did much more for her. Much more. The thief on the cross, when he finally understood, he saw firsthand of the love of Christ, this man that was dying for him, the sinner. I mean, they started, the Bible says, in that crucifixion uh, morning, they started with both of them casting in their teeth blasphemies, saying, if you're the Son of God, take us down, both of us. But you know, somewhere along the line, that one thief, he saw the love of Christ and saw how much that, that Jesus loved him for no reason. Jesus looks up to the Father and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He loved them to the end. And here's this thief. Because of that love, it, it drew him to a bold acceptance of the Lord. The thief finally understood that. This other guy was going on and on, and he finally says, you shut your mouth over there. We deserve this, not this man. And he stood for, he stood for Jesus in a bold acceptance. Listen, the Bible says those that come to Christ, they're not ashamed. Not ashamed to stand for him. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's some of you that say you're saved. You've never been baptized. You've never stood for the Lord to tell others I've been saved. And, and that's what the Lord asks of you. Well, maybe, maybe there's nothing there to begin with. Because the Bible says, he that believeth on him is not ashamed. This thief was not ashamed to stand in front of his friends and those that were around. And, and there must have been others that knew him that were there. I mean, his buddies that watched him to stay strong to the end, and he, he broke, he repented. And he says, no, no, this man is dying for no reason. He is an a, a innocent man, we're the guilty ones. And he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You know what that was because of? Because of the love of Christ. See, the love of Christ will drive a, a believer to total commitment. I'll die for you, Lord. I, I know, I know Peter, where he voiced those words, went back on it. 
But you know what? He was converted. He learned. He, he grew. He matured. Later on in his life, he did have the privilege of giving his life as a martyr. He actually did die for Christ. Tradition says that when they were about to crucify him just like the Lord, he, he made a request. He said, you know what? My Lord died for me this way. I'm not worthy to die that way. Crucify me upside down. And they did. That was because the love of Christ, folks. The love of Christ uh, spurs us to total commitment. The love of Christ spurs us to worship. Understanding the whole, the, the whole offering of redemption. Matthew chapter 28, verse 17. And when they saw him, the Bible says, this is after his resurrection. They worshiped him because they understood. They saw this was in light of his sacrifice for them, his love for them. God showed his love. He commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it was in that light that they bowed before him. They worshiped. You know what? That drives me to worship him. They couldn't but worship him. They couldn't but love him back. They were overwhelmed by his love, his sacrifice, his acceptance, his purchase. You know, but some didn't love him back. Some were there in that crowd actually seeing the resurrected Christ, and the Bible says, but some doubted. Some worshiped him, but some doubted. There again, he doesn't force his love. But this is what David said, getting back and we'll close. Moreover, because... I have set my affection upon the house of my God. Because of love, I have of mine own proper good. And he goes on and says, I've, I've sacrificed and given. And I'm all in because, because I love the Lord. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You know, folks, might be somebody here today that, you know about Jesus, but you don't know him. He's calling today. He's, he's drawing you today. And he's not going to force you. He doesn't do that. I love him for that. I love him because he, he's allowed me to say yes to him. He's allowed me to serve him or not. And you know what? Today, you know what I'm going to do? I don't care what you do. Well, I do. I mean, I care what everybody in the church does. But I, I'm saying this is for me. This morning, I'm just... The best that I can, I'm just going to tell him that I love him. You know why? Because he loved me first. Because he loved you first. I want to love the Lord. I want to love the Lord. And if you don't know him, we're going to have an invitation here. And what that means, we're inviting you to come to Christ or to do business with him and how he's spoken to you. But if you're not saved, don't, don't come and kneel as others might. But come get me by the hand and say, Preacher, I, I need to be saved. I need to be introduced to Jesus. I, I, I want him as my Savior today. I want to get it nailed down. And listen, we'll do that. We'll pray with him, show you what the Bible says very simply, how you could be saved, and we'll get that accomplished. We'll get it taken care of today. Why don't you do that? Believer, you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Is, it, is that the reason for your service and for your devotion, for your fidelity? Is that the reason for your labor? Let's love him. Let's love him. He first loved us. Because, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. That's what David said, why he said he did what he did, because of his love. Lord, thank you.